all the latest updates on your local and regional sports. This is Sports Talk on 92 WICB Ithaca. Welcome, everybody, to episode number four of Sports Talk on WICB. I'm your host, Rocco Di Maiolo. Tonight, we continue to welcome back the return of sports in the Ithaca area, featuring interviews with Clarence Welch of Ithaca High School Football and Ryan Medeiros of Ithaca College Men's Cross Country. Without further ado, let's first go to Ori Grady, who got the chance to talk to Clarence Welch about his career and their season so far. Welcome back to Sports Talk Radio on 91.7 WICB. I'm Ori Grady, and this week we have a special guest with us from Ithaca High School, Coach Welch, head coach of the varsity football team. Thanks, Coach. I appreciate you stopping by for one of this week's interviews for Sports Talk Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. So how about we just get straight into things? So, Coach, uh, you started your career at Cornell, where you were an assistant sprint football coach, the defensive coordinator, and now you're at Ithaca High School as a varsity football coach, varsity indoor track and field, Correct me if I'm wrong. What did you learn from being at Cornell and what have you brought over to, into Ithaca High School? Well, actually, I, I did. I got my start at Ithaca High School. You uh, did? Back, okay. Yeah, back years ago, I helped out with a modified program uh, when I was still in college. I took a semester off and helped out with our, with our mod program. And then um, I coached basketball for a little bit. And then I uh, just for a couple of years got out of coaching for a little while. And then my first return was back with the Cornell sprint football program back in 2007. Uh, I was there for two years, uh, took a three year hiatus. Uh, In that three years, I was the JV football coach here for one year. Uh, And then I went back up and had a five year stint where my last two years were the defense as a defensive coordinator. Um, but I got to tell you, my experiences at the college level, both playing collegiately and coaching, were they were phenomenal. Uh, the guys that I got a chance to coach with up at, at Cornell, uh, they were all, for the most part, except for our head coach, they were, and my uncle who works at Cornell, they are retired Section 4 coaches in various different sports, uh, from football, basketball, lacrosse, uh, and, and others. But uh, they all were about... 25 to 30 years my senior um, and all the, the, the wealth of experience that they had the years of coaching different levels and different kids. Uh, I was like just a, a sponge, you know, in, in a sink, right. uh, sitting in meetings, listening, uh, soaking up as much information as I possibly could uh, to make myself a better coach. It's awesome. Thank you. So now that you are the head coach since 2018, you were saying, uh, how is the season going this year? And how do you like the group of guys you have with you? Uh, so far, so good. You know, in okay. the wins and loss columns, you know, not in our favor. Um, but, you know, we, we haven't really played football for two years. Right. Um, we had the spring condensed season, you know, that this past 2020 spring uh, or 2021 spring, I should say. But, uh, you know, for, for a lot of us in, in the section and, and, and around the area, that really wasn't football to us. Um, just because of, of all the restrictions and everything we had to deal with. Um, so the, the real like fall camp, 
you know, fall season football, you know, we're, we're back at it this year. And mm-hmm. uh, so far, so good. Our, our kids, you know, they're, they're a little rusty, you know, out the gate, um, but they're starting to get it. They're starting to gel and, and things are coming together for us. Awesome. So as things are coming together, you guys are two and two in the season. In order for your team to succeed during the rest of the season, what's the biggest factor in doing that? What do you want to continue or you think you have to change in order to win more? Uh, the, the, the biggest thing for us is, uh, is preparation, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we stress the importance of preparation uh, in practice. Uh, we're always preaching, you know, how you do it in practice is how you do it in a game. Um, so we really uh, try to hone in on technique um, on both sides of the ball and with special teams as well. Um, and just preparing for our opponents, um, respecting the opponent, but also critiquing and making sure that our technique is where it needs to be for us to be successful. Right. So you were talking about preparation. Um, during the game, what strategies do you have? And is there a, a different mindset between away games and home games? Uh, the, the only the only difference at least for myself and the staff uh, in terms of uh, preparing what we do differently is really in the coin toss for me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I traditionally, and it's probably not a secret at this point going into my fourth season, but uh, we usually defer um, on the coin toss if we win it away um, with the travel and whatnot. Sometimes you're a little more hungry on defense uh, and, mm-hmm. and when you're home, uh, you know, you take the ball because your kids are settled on offense and it's a different, just a different mindset, I think, for the kids and the coaches. But I know for me, when I played um, and a lot of coaches kind of feed off of what they've learned as a player and as a coach, uh, you seem a little bit more hungry getting off the bus to go and knock some heads on defense. So uh, we try to we try to stick to that as much as possible. Awesome. Awesome. So in your mind, what's the most important thing about being a high school coach coaching at the varsity level? It's a balance of a, of a lot of different things. Uh, you're, you're dealing with uh, teenagers. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Of different maturity levels, uh, different skill levels at times too. Um, year to year, you know, that, that can change. Um, and you're, you're dealing with different personalities, you know, when it comes to teenagers and, uh, things that they go through in their daily lives, you know, outside of school at home, uh, things that they deal with in school, whether it's academically or socially, uh, a lot of different dynamics. And, uh, you know, our jobs as, as high school football coaches is to make that stuff work, right? So it's, you know, uh, essentially establishing the tone of we understand we were teenagers at 1.2. Mm-hmm. We've been through this process. You know, let's listen and learn from each other. And, 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 you know, be ready to go when you step in the locker room for, for football. You know, the academic side is academic. The athletic side is athletic. So we, we try not to, to let that stuff overflow, you know, into, into the daily life. So I, we call it, you know, checking the emotion at the right. so that you're ready to go for what's in front of you. Totally. In general, what about coaching do you like most? What do you enjoy most about being able to coach an array of different people? You were saying so many different people and personalities and athletes. 
I think the biggest thing for me, uh, and it's been probably my, my life's uh, goal and lesson uh, is uh, the relationships that you build mm-hmm. um, with the kids, you know, over time, uh, when you first meet them, when they're in seventh grade, they're, they're middle school, and you go down to the practices, and you get to meet them. And then, you know, hopefully, they're, they're coming through the program, you know, in, in those, those six, those six, seven years. Because uh, sometimes you meet them when they're in they're in sixth grade playing you know small fire pop Warner um, and seeing them grow and then the relationship that you have that grows with them uh, being able to sit back and watch your the assistant coaches uh, and you know everybody that's involved in the relationships that you build um, and seeing the different dynamics you know with an offensive line defensive line you know with with their coach and with the you know, your receivers and DBs usually have the same coach and seeing those relationships mm-hmm. develop is probably the most special part to me. Um, and then, and then being the head coach, you, you, you have to oversee all that. And then you can't pick and choose and you have to build a relationship with everybody the same. So uh, you don't deal with them the same way, but just the way you approach everything, it's gotta be fair and, you know, listening to them and, and making sure that their voices are heard in the whole process. I love it. So our last question, um, what would you recommend to young coaches who want to pursue a career in coaching varsity sports? Uh, do it the right way. Start it the mm-hmm. right way. Right. Um, everybody likes to dream big, um, but you have to start small when you dream big. So, you, you know, a lot of times I know what, what happened to me at one point was even though I was coaching modified, I was still, you know, required to go to the varsity games and sit in the booth or go scouting, uh, get on the road and go scout your opponent. Um, you know, dreaming big, but starting little and doing things step by step. Um, it's not an easy process, but it's the process you should go through uh, to, to, to make yourself successful. You got to learn all the little things that pertains to uh, building relationships to organizing a practice, to uh, to organ to game planning, right? To how you travel, um, even how you interact with your athletes and your coaches. You really, I don't think you really can learn that stuff in, in, until you, unless you start small, um, and, and then you know you kind of go from there. That's perfect. Thank you. So that's going to wrap it up for today. I appreciate your time, Coach Welch, and good luck on the rest of your season. Thank you for thank you so much. Thank you. All right, take care. Thanks, Ori. Wow. Something that isn't much in discussion that I find very interesting is how psychology could play a role in a team's decisions. For example, when coach was talking about winning the coin toss and it was a matter of whether they were home or away to decide to receive it or kick it because of the different mindsets the team can have going into the game. I never thought of that idea, so that's pretty interesting. That's pretty intriguing. Some very important news broke earlier this week. The 2022 Cortica Jug football game will move back to the tri-state area and will be played at Yankee Stadium. WICB Sports Director Matt Sossler has more. For WICB Sports, I'm Matt Sossler. The Cortica Jug is going to the tri-state area once again. The 63rd edition will be played at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx just three years after the game was held at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Head of non-baseball events for the New York Yankees, Mark Holtzman, said the success of that game influenced him to bring the game across the river. So the Yankees also know great sporting events when they see them. And we want to have them at Yankee Stadium. And this game will add to the rich history and tradition at Yankee Stadium. 
two New York schools playing in the world's most famous stadium, which happens to be in New York. It doesn't get any better than that. In fact, it was the stunning success of the 2019 Cortica Jug game at the Meadowlands that inspired not only our organization, but me personally, to officially extend today an invitation to Ithaca College and SUNY Cortland to play the 2022 rivalry match in our home in none other than the Bronx, New York. Associate Vice President and Director of Intercollegiate Athletics and Recreational Sports, Susan Bassett, discussed how once in a lifetime is coming twice and what it means for experiential learning opportunities. And just like the last time, we will engage and empower the entire campus community through innovative experiential learning, activities that take advantage of the distinctive New York City setting. We're so fortunate that once in a lifetime is coming twice. Because of this place, Ithaca College, progress never stops. The game will also provide a chance for the community to come together, something that head football coach at Ithaca, Dan Swanstrom, is very excited about. One of the things I really just truly loved about the game in 2019 was how it brought our student body together from the School of Business to the School of Communications, putting the game on to the School of Music performing. And I thought that was just the neatest thing, just bringing the community together. And then also the alumni and the passion for Ithaca and coming together for that weekend. And I can't wait to do that again. The 2022 Cortica Jug football game will be played on November the 12th of 2022 with a 1 p.m. kickoff. For WICB Sports, I'm Matt Sossler. A reminder, you can catch every Ithaca football game here on 91.7 WICB. Their next contest is next week against Liberty League foe Hobart. Now let's take a look at some local high school scores. Ithaca High School's boys soccer team lost to Corning Painted Post by a score of 2-1 to one on Thursday. Having a look at the Ithaca High School's volleyball team now, on Thursday they were defeated by Corning by a score of three sets to one. Moving on to the past week in, in Cornell Athletics, on Wednesday, the Big Red field hockey team fell to number 12th ranked Syracuse one to nothing. Now let's take a look at the past week in Ithaca College Athletics. On Friday, the volleyball team defeated St. Lawrence by a score of three sets to one. The volleyball team also defeated SUNY Geneseo on Wednesday by a score of three sets to one. The field hockey team took, a, took on SUNY Brockport on Wednesday, defeating them by a score of two to nothing. Now, without further ado, let's toss it over to Max Tanzer, who is joined by Ryan Medeiros of Ithaca College Men's Cross Country. Max, take it away. We are now joined by a member of the Ithaca College Cross Country team, Ryan Medeiros. Ryan, at the time of this interview, is getting prepared to compete in the RPI Saratoga Invitational, most recently finishing 68th of 226 runners in the University of Rochester Invitational 8K course last weekend with a time of 27 minutes and 27 seconds. Ryan, thanks for hopping on to Sports Talk with us tonight. Thanks so much for having me on, Max. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's get started here. You're in Saratoga right now getting prepared for this meet. How's it going down there? It's going pretty well right now. We're just moving in. We're getting ready to uh, hit the hit the beds tonight to get to sleep. Early race tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. We checked out the course earlier today. An interesting course, but it's a good preview for the Liberty League Championships and a great chance to prove ourselves against some high-quality teams like RPI and Vassar. 
No doubt about that. And for you guys, your season started a couple weeks ago, getting back into the swing of things here. How's that been so far? Well, it's been going pretty well thus far. I mean, last week at uh, Rochester, we didn't run our top guys, so obviously that impacted us a little bit there in terms of the national rankings. But we have a pretty young team, aside from a few seniors who should play some key roles for us the, this season. So it's going to be a lot of experience for these younger guys, including myself. It's only my second cross-country season, so getting used to that. And I think we're only going to improve and uh, exponentially really throughout the season. No doubt about that. And something you kind of touched on it a little bit is that you came here as a freshman in 2019 and you guys did not get to participate last year. In fact, your meet a couple weeks ago was the first time you guys competed since November of 2019. Have you seen yourself having to take sort of a leadership role here and throwing yourself into the fire a little bit more, maybe out of your comfort zone? Yeah, I wouldn't really say out of my comfort zone because leadership is something I've had experience with in the past. I was a three-season captain back in high school, and I've really always tried to help out the younger guys. Even as a sophomore, I was trying to you know, foster a leadership position in terms of offering what advice I could to some of the younger guys. And it's a position I feel pretty comfortable with now moving into my junior year. I feel like I've gotten along well with a lot of the underclassmen, obviously the upperclassmen who I've known for a couple of years now as well. So feeling pretty comfortable with that and try to offer all the advice I can to the younger guys. Yeah, and I know for you specifically, you got to you are you're a part of the track and field team as well. So last year you got to compete, but a little bit more of a different team for the cross country team. What has it been like getting back into the swing of things for you guys and for your teammates as well? As I said earlier, it's the first time you guys have really competed since 2019. Yeah, it's been a bit of an adjustment, a little bit lesser of an adjustment for me as I was running distance events during track, including the 5K and the 10K. But for some of the mid-distance guys who haven't really run long races in a while, for example, a guy like Alex Watley, who is more of an 800 runner, really put in the mileage this summer and got himself back into really a good endurance position in terms of shape. These guys were running good mileage and just putting in really good times in the outdoor season, the shorter events as well. So it's something that a lot of guys have to get adjusted to in terms of building that endurance back up but it seems like everyone's handling it pretty well thus far for example a guy like Danny Yego who hasn't really run since winter of 2020 he's already coming back and posting some really really good times here he's been our number two runner pretty bonafide himself as one of the top two runners on this team throughout the first two meets so I think all the guys are getting adjusted pretty well did coach Nichols at all change your guys' approach and practices because of the long layoff or was it very similar to what you guys had going on in 2019. You know, it actually has been a little bit different this year in terms of the workouts. I'm not sure it is so much due to the layoff we've had as much as he's just trying to try out something new this year. We've done a little bit of different workouts in terms of changing, for example, something as simple as we used to run the Boothroyd Hills that you see over by the Athletic Center. Now we're switching over to the uh, Terrace Hills behind the uh, the Terrace uh, dorms over there. So. We're still doing those same hill workouts, just a little bit of a change of scenery. We're also switching from doing some shorter reps during Monday workouts. We used to do a lot of 200s. Now we're doing longer reps, uh, thousands for some of the younger guys, 1800s for some of the top guys, just to make sure we're getting that endurance back. So I think maybe he's just trying to focus on, whereas in past years we had a lot more endurance experience. Recently, in terms of, you know, it's only been one year since cross-country. Now it's been two years. I think maybe his mindset is more of let's try and get some longer reps for these guys and really build up their endurance and make sure where we, where we want to be. Absolutely. Very interesting stuff right there. Can you describe to me what it was like getting back onto the track for the first time competing in a live event? I know you said track and field as well, but overall for your teammates too, what was the atmosphere like with the team in general getting back to compete for the first time in that first meet a few weeks ago? 
Yeah, it's really interesting because in track, in cross country, for example, even for me, I might be running longer events. I ran 5Ks in track, but getting into cross country, it's a whole different experience. Whereas in track, the field of runners might be only 20 guys max. That would be a big field in track. In cross country, you're running against up to 200, 300 different runners. So just even on the field, on the start line there, coming across and just coming into that funnel with 200, 300 other runners, it's something you won't get during track season. And it's really enjoyable to be back and just get that adrenaline rush of that first 400 meters of a race running against a lot of other really talented runners. That's great to hear. And then flashing back to 2019, your freshman year, you guys were able to make it to the NCAA championships for the first time since 2002. As you mentioned, you're now taking a role as a leader on this team. How do you expect you and the rest of your guys to carry that momentum back into this year? The biggest thing, honestly, and I know this sounds cliche, but it's keeping a positive attitude and really just believing in ourselves. Like I said earlier in this interview, we've got a lot of young guys on this team who really can only increase exponentially throughout the season. I truly do believe that, whereas a lot of older runners tend to plateau as they go, as they go through college. I think we, we got a lot of younger guys who have room for improvement, so to speak, because they're rather new to endurance running, especially to 8Ks. A lot of runners in high school, pretty much all cross-country runners, run 5Ks. So this is three kilometers longer, and that's a big adjustment to make. So whereas we might not be where we want to be earlier in the season, as we placed 14 out of 16 teams at Rochester, and that, like I said earlier, cost us in the national rankings, what matters isn't what's going on now. Obviously, we want to perform really well tomorrow. But the biggest meets are going to come down the road at the Liberty League Championships and at the Regional Championships. And hopefully for us, we can get to where we were in 2019 at the in Kentucky for the National Championships as well. I truly believe this team has the talent to get there. And we might be a little inexperienced now, but we're going to race ourselves into that experienced state that we want to be come championship season. No doubt about that, and you touched on it a little bit, you guys dropping out of the rankings after your last meet. Was there a little bit of disappointment after you guys saw that after last week? What's your guys' approach moving forward here? Honestly, Max, I don't think we could be any less disappointed in where we were because, like I said, it's just so early in the season. We didn't run five of our top seven runners in that meet. Me and Pat Birock placed in the top two for that, and... A couple other guys, Josh Endy, who should be a really big contributor, just didn't perform well. I know Tim Cook didn't want to have the race. He wanted to have it at Rochester either. Um, and considering the fact that we raced, the guys who raced at Rochester didn't race up to their capability, and, top, and five of our top seven runners are probable top seven, I should say, because that still hasn't been quite solidified yet. The fact that those guys didn't run, it, it really doesn't make a difference, and I think that doesn't say anything really about what our team is capable of, because... Like I said, our best performances are going to happen down the road. That's great to hear. And then if there's one bomber besides yourself to watch on this cross-country team this fall, who should we be keeping our eyes on? I'll go to one of the guys I haven't mentioned yet. He's been our number one runner in the two races he's run thus far, and that is Ben Tiber. I can't say enough about the performance he's had coming in. Really his first full cross-country season, you know, knock on wood, barring any injuries or illnesses like he's had in the past, uh, he stepped up in a big way this year. He's a fifth-year senior. He's come out hot, and he's really performed well. He's kept a great attitude on the team. He's put up some really, really impressive performances, 15.55 at the alumni meet and 15.35, I believe it was, at the Hamilton short course as well. He's yet to run an 8K, and I'm really looking forward to see what he can put up tomorrow. 
fantastic to hear. We'll keep our eyes on him as well as you. Again, Ryan, about ready to get set to compete in the RPI Saratoga Invitational. By the time this airs, that will be complete. But they'll be back at it with the Mike Woods Invitational on Saturday, October 2nd in Morris, New York. Ryan, good luck tomorrow. Good luck for the rest of your season. And thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks, Max. Believing in yourself, keeping a positive attitude, and staying optimistic sounds like the way to go for this Bombers cross-country team. With that, I say good luck to them. And now a look a week ahead in Ithaca College Athletics. Men's soccer have two games this week, both at home as they will host Hobart on Wednesday at 4 p.m. They will then host St. Lawrence on Saturday at 3 p.m. Women's soccer will be on the road Wednesday as they take on William Smith College. They will travel again on Saturday to take on St. Lawrence. Field hockey will be hosting Kiyuka on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Volleyball will have three games this week. They will first be hosting the University of Scranton on Friday at 4 p.m. Then they'll travel to Clinton, New York on Saturday for a doubleheader against Bowdoin at 2 p.m. and Hamilton at 4 p.m. That'll do it for this episode of Sports Talk in which we talked football and cross country. Be sure to check out Bombers Radio Net on Twitter for the latest updates regarding our coverage of Ithaca College Athletics. I'm Rocco Di Maiolo, and have a great rest of your Sunday night. Ithaca Now is coming up next.